Hello and welcome to another edition of Security Weekly's Hack Naked TV. This episode is brought to you by Black Hills Information Security. If you need a network penetration test, security audit, or a hug, be sure to contact us at consulting at blackhillsinfosec.com. It is also brought to you by Tenable Network Security. You know what they make. You know their product. Go check out Nessus. If you haven't used it, they do have a free version that you can play around with, test with, and then get their product. It rocks. All right, so let's jump right in. Target was attacked through HVAC, apparently. And apparently it was default credentials. Now, there's been a lot of speculation about whether or not we can blame Target for this. And I guess, guess kind of, sort of, yeah, probably, um, but not necessarily, I think, for the reasons that you think. See, a lot of people are saying, why didn't they just go change those default credentials? But we get to a larger issue in information security. A lot of organizations don't know that there's default credentials present in a number of their different products. Now, those products could be standalone devices that just have a network cable that plugs in, and of course, it goes to the internet. Those products could be things like uh, provisioning software that they install on their computer systems. Now, whenever you install these software platforms, whenever you install these applications, whenever you install these devices in your network, Many times they just don't have a place in the manual where it says the default password is this. Many times those default passwords are actually buried deep within the product or it's not a password that they make readily available to their customer to use associated with the product. Um, talking about provisioning, for example, let's say hypothetically there was a provisioning product where you can get access to root or administrator level access to computer systems. Well, let's say hypothetically there's a product out there where you install their agent and their agent actually has default user ID and password associated with it. So the real question isn't whether or not we can blame Target. I mean, Target is getting beat up enough, I think, with a lot of this. The real question is, how do we help make sure that this type of thing doesn't occur to us? The first thing is identify any rogue devices. If you're looking at your PCI network or your HIPAA-based network that has PII or PHI associated with it, you should be able to identify every single IP address in that range and exactly what it is. If you get any devices where it's basically like, well, that's just the HVAC system, or that's just a refrigerator, or that's our toaster, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that that device is just a device that poses no risk. You're gonna have to go a little bit further. So what I recommend is actually contacting those vendors and asking if they have a letter of attestation. Did this product actually get tested? by a reputable security company. If not, it might be time to start looking for another product. If your vendor doesn't have that type of letter attestation and it's something that's absolutely essential to what you do, then you can take matters into your own hands. There's a number of things that you can do. One is you can try to find the firmware. If there's firmware updates, download that firmware and reverse engineer that firmware. Last year, Paul Isidorian did a webcast on how exactly to do that. Pull firmware down, extract it, mount it with Linux and then go through and just start looking around. You'd be surprised just how effective that actually is. Now for software that you install in your environment, we recommend going and getting Mimikatz. Mimikatz is an outstanding tool. If the software is logging on as a service or it's creating a service account and it's using a default password for that particular service account, odds are that software that you're running on your server or you're running on all your workstations with that user ID is quite possibly using the exact same user ID and password on all of your systems. Now, some vendors go out of their way and they try to make their passwords as long as they possibly can to try to make it as secure as they possibly can. But the problem is if that account is actually logged into, then the password is going to be in clear text in the local security authority subsystem service. And tools like Mimikatz have the ability to reach into that section of memory and pull that password out. 
So if you have a number of software platforms or software applications that you install on your servers and or on your workstations, and it has the same user ID across all of those workstations, run Mimikatz and see if the same credential in user ID and password combination is being used on all of those computer systems. So rather than walk around and point and say that, you know, this particular organization did good or they didn't do good or there's nothing they could have done or there's things they could have done better, I think that we look at it as a learning experience in the industry and try to find out how we can do better so that we don't get hit with the same types of things. So that would involve reverse engineering firmware for our various devices that we have in our environment. And that would involve doing things like Mimikatz to see if there's any accounts and passwords that are in use that are default. And many times the vendor wouldn't actually tell you about as well. So at least you have something that you can do to prepare. All right, so thoughts on PCI. I got, I uh, received an email from a listener um, who was fairly frustrated because we spent a lot of time ripping on PCI DSS. And it, and, and it's just kind of the thrust of his email is... He has a valid point. He says, if we look at PCI, how can we run around and say that it's completely broken? And he says a lot of things that I don't think are very good points, but he makes a very, very, very good point. And his point is, are we more secure now than we would be with, if we didn't have PCI? If we didn't have PCI, would we be better or worse? And I think his point is valid. I think, honestly, the situation would be worse if we did not have PCI. That being said, we can still point out its flaws. We can still point out that there's massive issues with the way that these types of standards, specifically PCR, PCI, are actually implemented. Just because it's better than it would be doesn't mean that we can't complain. Doesn't mean that we can't find fault. Doesn't mean that we can't say things like, it's systematically broken. Um, it, it's kind of like if you have a broken seatbelt in your car that's like cut halfway. Yeah, it's better than nothing but it's still a pretty horrible security feature. So let's take a couple steps back and let's look at some of the main problems that we have with PCI. And by the way, whenever we're talking about major issues with PCI, it's not an issue that's specific to just PCI. It has to do with the idea of compliance and how it is actually implemented. And one of the things that this individual said to us is, uh, well, you're not experts. I really find it interesting that people that are not experts are speaking on PCI, are speaking on whether or not it is broken. Um, and, you know, okay, so we, we could debate whether or not I'm an expert. We can debate whether or not Allison and Paul and Larry are experts. I think that that's something that we can debate. Uh, but let's break it to a third party, preferably neutral third party. Uh, Verizon put a report and said that most organizations fall short of PCI. Now, that's not Paul.com getting drunk and ripping on PCI. That's Verizon. They do more PCI audits than we do. Um, we do a lot of network penetration tests for PCI organizations, and we see the exact same thing. Whether or not that makes us experts and gives us the authority to speak, okay, we can debate that. But the point is, there's a lot of us in this industry that break into organizations for a living that are saying the exact same thing as Verizon. That a tremendous amount of organizations that are PCI-based organizations are failing PCI. Now, why exactly is that? What exactly is it about PCI or a compliance standard that's systematically broken, I believe it is systematically broken, that causes organizations to consistently fail? And I think the quote that really highlights it is this one right here. It says, while assessment time compliance is up, not good, not great, not in the 90s, but up, 
many organizations tend to fall out of compliance between audits. And I think that that's the systematic failure that you're actually looking at in organizations whenever they're dealing with PCI. They look at PCI that's something that happens once a year from a network penetration perspective. They look at PCI um, basically saying, we need to pre prepare for our PCI scan to make sure that we pass a Qualys test. We're going to run a scan against our environment before the ASV runs the scan, and that's going to make us secure. The point is, we're trying to make security something that is very gated, something that is very goal-oriented. And that goal, unfortunately, is something that is unattainable. So if you set up compliance, whether it's PCI, whether it's risk management framework, whether it's HIPAA, and you have a test, many organizations say we're going to prepare for that test after they quote-unquote pass the test then they basically give up until the next test. Or if they're being tested regularly using something like ASV, they're going to make sure that they do very well associated with like ASV. So that is the systematic issue that we have with PCI. That is why it is broken. It is broken because executives and a lot of people in the industry look at it as something that has to be done once per year. And they prepare for that once per year test and they treat it as a once-per-year test, and then they forget about it. It's a goal that can be attained. We can be secure. We do this test. We're secure. We're good. We don't have to worry about security anymore. The problem is these standards put us into these thought processes that are fundamentally broken. When we're looking at computer security, it is continuous. Um, in Black Hills Information Security, we do quarterly testing with a large number of our customers, getting away from this once per year network penetration test. Instead, we test on a quarterly basis. And there's something that's very fascinating to me. With a number of our customers just going three months between testing their organization, we rotate different testers through. So like I'll do a test on an organization, three, week, three months later, Tim will do a test on the same organization. Three months later, Ethan will do a test on the same organization. We rotate through. Secure ideas, my security scanner. Same thing, same thing. So what exactly am I getting at? We have noticed that the state of security changes so quickly that we have found vulnerabilities that have arise, arisen within three months, critical vulnerabilities that allow us to take over systems in less than a three-month period. And we're not just lo looking at one specific point of that network. We're looking at the network of its entirety. Large networks are huge collections of vulnerable software. That vulnerable software as it evolves over time, continues to have more vulnerability, and we introduce more vulnerable software. So this testing, this idea of compliance and audit, isn't something that should be limited in scope to just a handful of computer systems that handle credit card data. It is not something that should just be limited in scope to something that happens once per year. It is something that should be continuous, because the state of security is something that is continuous. You constantly have to work at it. You constantly have to evolve. You never arrive. So whenever we say that PCI is fundamentally flawed, Whenever we say that organizations that are, try to do things according to HIPAA and meet the minimum are fundamentally flawed, we can debate whether or not the people that are saying these types of things are experts. But what is not debatable is the results. What is not debatable is that we're seeing tons of organizations getting compromised because of the mindset that these particular standards are putting in place. All right. So government not doing so hot at security either. Um, well, at least we have breach notification laws in .gov. Oh, crap. We 
don't. Um, and this gets to the crux of what Dave Kennedy was testifying in Congress a couple, of years, uh, a couple of weeks ago. This gets to the crux of what we were talking about, all of the people that signed on with Dave Kennedy's testimony. Kevin Mitnick, Ed Skotas, Kevin Johnson, myself, the fine people at Lyra Security, Chris Gates, and Chris Nickerson. These particular groups, these people that may or may not be experts, are saying that we have a fundamental issue with .gov. And healthcare.gov is just one of those things that has massive issues. It's just basically an indicator. It's a canary in the mine that there's something wrong. So we have problems in information security with .gov. And the reason why is because, this, according to the report, a lot of organizations look at their IT security people or just IT people in general as something just one step above janitors. And that would make sense from a logical perspective if you have no idea what IT is, you have no idea what IT security is. Let's back up. So a lot of people don't know about their IT staff until systems go down. They don't know that their IT staff is there keeping systems running. They don't know that they're trying to do security audits. They don't know that they're trying to install patches. They don't know that IT is something that is evolving. And why would they? I mean, they're not in IT. That's not their job. Rather, they look at IT assets as something that is a stationary component of their infrastructure. It's a stationary component of the .gov organization that they are working for. And the only time they know that something is, they know that IT people are there is when something goes wrong. And then IT people jump in and they fix it. And the reason why I bring up this analogy or bring up this, this, this whole concept is because of the analogy of janitors. With janitors, you many times don't know that the janitors are present until somebody spills something on the floor and the janitors arise and then they clean it up. Unfortunately, that mindset is what permeates and comes to IT as well. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. If we don't see it, it's not a problem. There's lots of issues in IT that are not problems to the actual mission objectives or the organizational objectives until something catastrophic occurs, like a breach something catastrophic occurs like a system going down and then that's the only time that IT people are seen. So whose fault is this? Fortunately, I'm going to blame you. I'm going to blame all of us. I'm going to blame the industry as a whole of IT and IT security professionals. If your managers get all of their news from USA Today, if your managers only see you when a system goes down and you only crawl out of your hole whenever you try to fix something or you're summoned to a meeting to explain what happened, you are failing. If you are in IT, if you are in IT security, you need to be the touchstone. You need to be the one giving information regularly to your organization, regularly to your executives. You need to make yourself be seen and how can you do this? Um, I recommend doing presentations, talking about breaches, go to the uh, uh, data loss DB, pull up stories associated with organizations like yours getting compromised, do brown bags once per week, once, uh, once a month, whatever it is, but do these things regularly and explain the issues to your executives. Do user awareness training and explain the issues to your employees. Don't be somebody that's in a hole until a problem occurs. If that's what happens, then if you complain about how your organization treats you, that's your fault. You need to get out. You need to be in front of this. You need to start communicating regularly with executives and employees, letting them know the risks. That's how you can do better at .gov security. If you're in .gov, be that person. Get up, stand up, and start sharing the news with people in your organization. You're going to find that you're going to get promoted. You're going to find that you're going to get more respect. 
You get the respect that you earn. You have to get up and you have to earn it. All right, so that's the end. This is Hack Naked TV, of course. Be sure to check out securityweekly.com, our wiki for all of our show notes. I will be teaching SANS 504. That's hacker techniques and incident handling. It's a really cool balance of offense and defense. Very, very cool class. Six days from March 5th until March 10th at DeferCon in Monterey, California. If you have an email or you have something that you would like me to talk about on um, Hack Naked TV for Security Weekly, shoot me an email at john at blackhillsinfosec, and I'm also on Twitter, strandjs. Thank you so much. You guys have a great day coming to you from, I wish I could say sunny Florida, but it's exceptionally rainy and miserable, and uh, good luck to all the people in Atlanta and throughout the South as they get ready for dealing with another massive storm. Good luck, guys. Stay warm, stay safe, and I will see you next week whenever I'll be presenting um, Hack Naked TV live from New York City. It's that time of the year again where we have to start traveling. Thanks, everybody.